Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. There are a lot of people in our world today that are confused about what life is all about. It is reflected not just in their words, but also in their deeds. I really believe that Solomon provides us with a glimpse of what life is all about. He affords us the opportunity to look inside the mind of God and to see what is ultimately the most important thing in life. And so with that having been said, I want us to look for just a moment or two at some verses found in chapters 11 and 12 as we contemplate this very important theme, making the most of life. The first thing that I want to call your attention to has to do with the duration of life. When we talk about the duration of life, what we need to understand is that life is fleeting. It's very fast. Sometimes we, we, we talk about the brevity of life. And if you look at Ecclesiastes chapters 11 and 12, you'll find Solomon emphasizing this very thing. As a matter of fact, go back and look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There Solomon said, there is a time to be born and a time to die. And we think about the words of Job. Job, as you know, was one of the great patriarchs of the past. And Job said in chapter 14, verse 1, man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. The psalmist said in Psalm 90 at verse 10 that the days of our years may be threescore and ten. He said we may live to even reach fourscore years or eighty years of age. But then he went on to say, it is soon cut off and we fly away. And so in verse 12, his admonition was simply this. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to fear. And then James, in James chapter 4, verse 14, compared life to a vapor. He said it appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So having said that, look now if you would. When we look at chapters 11 and 12, we think about, first of all, our adolescent years, our early years, and I would suggest that these could be identified as the blessed years. Look at verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, in the sight of your eyes, but know for all these God will bring you into the judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart, put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. And then in chapter 12 at verse 1, remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Note, if you would, the emphasis on the words youth or childhood. I think about just the blessings associated with being young. You know, David said on one occasion, I was young and now I am old. To those of you who are young, I would encourage you, enjoy 
your youthful years. Enjoy them. Give God thanks that you have been blessed to live here upon this earth, to have a good family, to enjoy the comforts of life. But we think not just about those blessed years, but then I would suggest that Solomon talks about the best years. And really he's talking about as we age, as we grow older in life. Now sometimes it's difficult for us to realize that as we grow older, that that is really the best years of our existence here upon this earth. And I think one of the reasons is because of experience. The wisdom that comes from growing older in life. To realize that there are some things that are important in life and there are some things that are just not that important. But note, if you would, what Solomon says as he describes the aging process. And believe me, if you're young, aging, if you live long enough, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. He talks about remembering our Creator in the days of our youth, before the difficult days come. When the years draw nigh, when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. And then look at verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down. As we grow older, sometimes the body begins to shake. The back begins to bow. We begin to stoop as this aging process settles in. He said when the grinders cease because they're few, as we grow older in life, sometimes we begin to lose our teeth. Those that look through the windows grow dim. We, we begin to, to have failing eyesight. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, one of the problems of growing older in life is our hearing diminishes. When, when one rises up at, a sound, at the sound of a bird, as you grow older in life, one of the problems is you can't sleep all night. I remember when I was growing up, my grandmother used to talk about lying in bed awake at maybe 3 in the morning listening to the radio because she couldn't sleep. That's just a part of life. And then he said, and all the daughters of music are brought low. Also, when they are afraid of height, as we grow older in life, one of the, one of the things that happens is we're not as uh, daring as we used to be. We're not as prone to, to maybe climb uh, to greater heights. And he says, and of the terrors of the way, when the almond tree blossoms, I think about as we grow and mature in life, our hair begins to grow white. We become gray-headed. And then he said, the grasshopper is a burden. Our strength diminishes. We're not as strong as we used to be, and desire fails. And then he said, man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Now somebody might ask, in light of this aging process, in view of the fact that the outward man is perishing, what we need to understand is that even though the outward man is perishing, even though this physical body may not be what it once was, that inward man can grow stronger, more resilient. We can become deeper in trust to God. I think as, as we grow older, we become more dependent on God. Sometimes I reflect upon the many people that I've known down through the years, many people that I've known and loved and appreciated and spent time with. And to me, one of the blessings of growing older is knowing that at some point in time in future, future history, I'll be with them again. 
I'll step out into that eternal realm with others of like precious faith who've gone home to be with the Lord and to know that that is drawing closer. What a great, what a great blessing. And so when we look at life and we think about the duration of life, the brevity of life, I would suggest that when we talk about our youthful years, those are the blessed years. As we think of growing older, those are the best years. But now I want you to see a second thing as we look at Ecclesiastes chapters 11 and 12. We talk about the duration of life, but now I want you to see the demands of life. And really what Solomon is going to do, he's going to bring everything into focus. Solomon, as you know, was a very powerful man. He was a king over the United Kingdom. He was the king. He was the man of his day. He was the son of David. David, as you know, had succeeded Saul. Saul had made some mistakes in his life. David, he also made some mistakes, but he was a man after God's own heart. And David had instructed Solomon on the right way to live in life. As fathers, as, as mothers, sometimes we sit our children down, we talk to them about what's important in life. Well, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll find that in these 12 chapters, Solomon basically says, look, I've done it all, I've tried it all, I've been there, but here's really what's most important in life. And so he's bringing everything into, into focus. He's bringing some clarity to life. And there are a lot of people in our world today, if you ask them, what, what is life all about? They couldn't answer that if they had to. They have absolutely no idea what life is all about. Well, Solomon, Solomon came to understand what life was all about. If you go back and read chapter 2, verse 10, when he talks about all the great things that God had lavished upon him, materially speaking, he said, whatever my eyes saw, I kept not from them. In other words, if he saw it and he wanted it, then he got it. There are people like that today in our world. Well, what then is the focus of life? Solomon is going to deal with those adolescent and aging years. And we're going, to, we're going to talk about this in a generic way, but specifically I want to also emphasize this to our young people because I think it's very important for us to understand what is most important in life. And so with that being said, listen if you would to what Solomon says in chapter 12 at verse 1. Solomon said, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Why do you think Solomon emphasize the importance of remembering God early in life. Well, I think one reason, there may be a number of reasons, but one reason is when we grow older in life, we become set in our ways, don't we? As you and I grow older in life, we become, we become less prone to change. We're not as flexible as we were in days gone by. And Solomon is saying, what, 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 what you need to do as a young person is set the tone early in life to devote your life to the Lord. In other words, you need to make sure that God is at the apex, that He is at the center or focal point of your life. And so, there are a couple of things I want to share with you along these lines. Number one, as we think about this focus of life, as we talk about the demands that, that Solomon is setting forth, number one, keep the Savior 
in your life. I cannot stress that enough. If you're young, if you are more mature in life, keep the Savior in your life. Why? Because ultimately the Lord is to be central to your life. Look, if you would, when Ecclesiastes gets down to verse 13, here's what Solomon said in light of everything that he's tried in life. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. Some translations, the New King James Version, the, the latter edition of the New King James Version, says, for this is man's all. In other words, what life is all about is fearing God and keeping His commandments. Keeping Him central to your life. And so that's why I would emphasize, keep the Savior in your life. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Alright, let's talk about for just a moment keeping the Savior in our life. Three things I want to emphasize to you. Number one, remember your blessings from God. If you're young, if you're old, it doesn't matter. Remember how God has blessed you. Remember every day. Paul said in Colossians 4 verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. Every day, when you and I step foot on the floor, we need to thank our loving God for all of the blessings that He's bestowed on us. If you're a young person, thank God that He has blessed you with life. Listen again, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Thank God for being a young person. Thank God that He has endowed you with so many great privileges in this life and opportunities. You know, James said, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation, neither shadow of turning. Number two, not only should you and I remember our blessings from God, but we ought to remember that we belong to God. Did you know that you belong to Almighty God? Look, if you would, at Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7. When Ecclesiastes talks about this aging process and ultimately it culminates in death, look at verse 7. He said, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was. Where did you and I come from? From dust. Go back and read Genesis chapter 2. Well, read Genesis chapters 2 and 3. You and I are nothing more than dust. But then note what he says, And the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Did you know that God is the Father of our spirit, based on Hebrews 12, verse 9? God is the one that has blessed us with this inward man. Not just this inward man, but outward man. And so really, when it's all said and done, you belong to God. God is the one who gave you life. But now think about this. If you have been baptized into Christ, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, repented of every sin, confessed His name before others, and been immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, you then belong to God because you are a part of His spiritual family. And so what you need to do is remember you belong to God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have from God? He said, for you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to Almighty God. If you're young, if you're old, it doesn't matter. If you're middle-aged, you belong to God. 
And Solomon is saying, you need to remember some things in life. But then a third thing. Not only should we remember our blessings from God, not only should we remember we belong to God, but we need to remember our behavior before God. Listen again to what Solomon said, and he's addressing this to the young people, but the application would also fit with, with those of us who are older in life. He said, walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but Know for all these, God will bring you into, the, into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart. Put away evil from your flesh. Solomon is saying, listen, you need to understand that you better live right in the eyes of God. If you're a young person, you need to live right. If you're an older person, you need to live right. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he said, let no man, let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in faith, in spirit, in love, in purity. And Paul is addressing this to Timothy, his own son in the faith. Timothy was a young evangelist, and he was saying to Timothy, even though you're a young person, you can be a great example for the Lord before other people. Well, you and I, we need to remember that, that the Lord is, is watching our behavior. He sees all, he knows all. Solomon said, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. The Hebrew writer said, neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hebrews chapter 4 at verse 13. So, keep the Savior in your life. But now I want you to think about a second thing in light of what Solomon is saying. We need to keep the Savior in our life and we need to keep Satan out of our life. What, what Solomon is saying is you better keep the devil at bay in your life. You better keep him out of your life. So, two things I want you to think about. Number one, when we talk about keeping the devil out of our life, we are not to engage in evil activities. Listen again to what Solomon said. Look again at verse, verse 10, chapter 11. Put away evil from your flesh. Solomon is saying, do not get caught up in evil activities. Now, I want to talk to those of you who are young as well as those of you who are older in life. That means you don't go out and drink. You don't drink alcohol. Not, not one drop. You'll never have a problem with something you don't try. If you're drinking alcohol, I would encourage you to repent of that. Alcohol is sinful behavior. There is no basis whatsoever for, for the consumption of alcohol. Solomon said, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Do not drink alcohol. I would add to that chemical substances. Alcohol is a drug just like marijuana or pot, just like crack or cocaine, or ecstasy, or anything else. If you're a young person and somebody at school tries to give you some of that stuff, you turn away and run from them. Let me tell you what, I've been to some funerals. I've been to some funerals lately where the deceased was involved in drugs and alcohol. And let me tell you what, it, it breaks my heart. Drugs and alcohol will destroy your life. I want you to understand that. I cannot overemphasize that enough. If you're drinking alcohol, you better quit it. If you're taking drugs, you better quit it. And those of you that are parents, you need to know what your children are doing. You need to know if they're drinking. 
You need to know if they're smoking cigarettes. You need to know if they're, if they're smoking pot. As parents, we are accountable. This idea of it doesn't matter, or they're going to they're gonna try things, that, my friends, is hogwash. We need to know what they're doing. That means we don't drink. That means we don't smoke. It means that, that we don't take drugs. It means we don't cuss. We don't use profanity. We don't take the, the Lord's name in vain. We don't walk around here with a filthy, ungodly mouth. Paul said, let no, that's N-O, no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. If you're cussing, you need to quit. If you're using bad language, you need to quit. You think the Lord just put this stuff in here just for our amusement? He's saying if you want to go to heaven and do what's right, you better not drink, you better not smoke, you better not, you better not take drugs, you better not cuss, and you better not engage in sexual relations outside of marriage. There's tremendous pressure on our young people to have sexual relationships outside of marriage. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that the marriage bed is undefiled. There is nothing wrong with sex inside the marital relationship. But God said, whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. If you're having sexual relations outside of marriage, let me tell you right now, you're not going to heaven. You can't go to heaven. I'm talking about putting away evil activities. We need to be very straight up with this stuff. We need to understand that our young people are confronted with this stuff every day. And the idea that some people are stepping out into eternity as, as youth that have been dabbling in this stuff, it ought to abhor us. And we ought to be encouraging them to do what's right. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, Neither give place to the devil. All the devil needs is an open door in your life, and I will promise you, I promise you, he will run havoc. He will wreck havoc in your life. Then I would also say, that means no dancing. Christians don't dance. Why? Because the Bible teaches against that. And not only that, but we make sure that we're wearing modest apparel, that, that, we're, that we're making sure that we're covered up that we're not concealing more than what the Lord would have us to do. Paul talks about that in 1 Timothy chapter 2. All of this is a product of, of choosing to live right. And so we talk about not engaging in, in evil activities, and then also I would add to that not engaging in evil associations. Let me, let me just say this. If you've got a friend that's out here smoking cigarettes and drinking and cussing and acting like the devil, do yourself a favor and say, look, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. If you're running around with somebody who's living a promiscuous life, who's living a life that is, is out of harmony with the will of God, what you need to do is cease being around that person. Why do I say that? Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, evil companionship corrupts good morals. If you're a godly person and you begin to run with an ungodly crowd, let me tell you what, they're going to bring you down. It happens every day. Solomon said the righteous should choose his friends carefully. 
He goes on to say in chapter 13 that the companion of the wise, it'll make you wise, but a companion of fools will destroy you. And so, don't run with a bad crowd. If you're running around with people that are smoking dope and doing things they don't need to be doing, I don't care if you're young or old, middle-aged or whatever, what you need to do is quit. You need to quit running with those people. If you don't, you're going to jeopardize your eternal soul. And let me just say this to those, those of us who are parents. We want our children to go to heaven, don't we? If we want our children to go to heaven, that means we're going to be here every time the doors are open. Sunday morning for Bible class, Sunday morning for worship service, Sunday night for worship service, Wednesday night for Bible study. We're not going to stay home and work on the house. We're not going to load up and go to the lake. We're not going to go play golf. We're not going to go, we're not going to go hunting or fishing or anything else. Sometimes I think about parents, and I understand that as parents, we can do everything right. We can rear our children in the Lord. We can strive to the best of our ability to bring them up right. And at some point in time, they make bad choices in life. I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about if you're a mother or father and you're not faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not putting Him first and here every time the doors are open, when you get older and your kids get older, if they're unfaithful and you want to know why in the world are they unfaithful, let me tell you what you need to do. Go stand in front of the mirror. Just go stand in front of the mirror. You're the reason they're not faithful to the Lord. Because you did not set the right example before them. I'm just trying to be honest with you. If you want to go to heaven and you want your children to go to heaven, then you need to set the tone in the home. Don't leave it to your kids. You need to be a godly father, a godly mother, a godly husband, a godly wife. And if you're not living like that, you need to repent. We all understand that? It's called repentance. A change of heart. Godly sorrow. Very quickly, thirdly, let's talk about our destiny after life. When we talk about our destiny after life, I know our time is gone. But note, if you would, the future. Solomon, Solomon talks about why we need to make sure we're focused in life. Listen to what he says. Go back and look at verse 9 of chapter 11. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. There is a judgment coming. Look at chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. That is, this is man's all. Why? For God will bring every work into judgment. Number one, the surety of judgment. The judgment is as certain as life itself. The Hebrew writer said, It is appointed unto man once to die, after this cometh the judgment. Let me tell you what, you and I will one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. The surety of the judgment. Secondly, the seriousness of the judgment. There are people today that just wave off the judgment. They laugh and act like it's no big deal. Let me tell you what. Here's what Solomon said. God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. We'll talk about seriousness. Do you have skeletons in your closet? Do you have secret sin in your life? 
Solomon is saying there's coming a day in which God is going to throw the light of His Word on your life. He's going to judge you. The surety of the judgment and the seriousness of the judgment. But then finally and very quickly, the standard at the judgment. What I think really doesn't matter when it comes to the judgment. What you think doesn't matter. What your opinion is doesn't mean a thing. What the consensus of the crowd says doesn't mean a thing. The basis by which you and I will be judged is this book that we call the Bible, the Word of God. You better know it inside and out, from cover to cover. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, listen to him, the same shall judge him in the last day. Paul said, we know that the judgment of God is according to truth, Romans 2, verse 2. John said on the day of judgment, the books will be opened. He's talking about the Bible here. And so let me ask this question. Is your life in compliance with this book that we call the Bible? What about you? Are you making the most of life? Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love